Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam wa rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sabiya ajma'in ashadu wa la ilaha illallah wa ashadu na muhammadin abduhu rasul ma'bad. You're listening to Islam always. And we're always broadcasting 24 hours a day at a place where you always find a place to come in and chat and always a place to find information on how to present Islam and the various topics. This is your host Yusuf Estes. And I'm always hoping that Allah will accept IslamAlways.com as a source of hidayah for me and for everybody that comes to our website at IslamAlways.com. And I think that's enough commercial right there. <laughs> In fact, it's the first time I heard somebody make a commercial inside of a dua. <laughs> But anyhow, uh, we're here live. This is a live broadcast. You hear me many times say almost live. Well, today is really live. Alhamdulillah. We're in Peoria, Illinois. It has an S. I can't help it. It looks like I should say S. And we're talking on the subject this morning in particular, how to present Islam, the basics. And whether you're doing it online or through the Internet, through emails or presentations that you make in public, anything like that, then in this case, Uh, we want you to know how to have the proper resources and how to use them. It's important for us as Muslims to always go back to two things, regardless of what the subject is, go back to two things. It come, otherwise, it can become overwhelming. If somebody said, tell me everything about Islam, uh, uh, nobody can do that. Islam is wider than the ocean. It is. And it's deeper than the ocean. It's wider than the skies. It's a, it's a subject that nobody's going to tell you they know everything about it. In fact, even one aspect of Islam, I don't think anybody's going to say I know everything about it. So it's so huge. So how do I begin? Where do I start? I could be totally off guard. Somebody could just walk up to me and say, you're a Muslim, aren't you? Yeah. Could you just please tell me everything about Islam? <laughs> okay. There is a lot when you think about it, isn't there? Maybe one of the most talked about subjects on the internet today could be Islam. I know that when I first typed in a keyword in a search engine, back in the 1990s, I typed in the word Islam in a search engine, and 16, 12 or 16 websites came up. I think it was 12, and, and a few months later there were 16, and I was really impressed. Wow, look at all those websites talking about Islam. And today on Google, one of the biggest search engines perhaps on the Internet, if you type in the word Islam, you're going to find it's something like 58 million websites with the word Islam in them. Of course, not all of them are presenting Islam. Some are just mentioning the word for whatever reason, and then some are presenting it in a very negative way. And, uh, you know, if you develop a website and put it out there, on there, I seriously doubt that you'll increase that number up very much because there are just so many of them. Yours may not even be listed out of the 58 million. But how do I present Islam? Whether it's on the internet or two people in, in front of me, where do I begin? I already gave you the clue when I mentioned the Quran. I mentioned the Quran and the Sunnah. That's where we begin. So Sounds like one of those squeaky doors in a mystery movie. Uh, 
I expect a monster to come in any second. But where do I begin? What did Allah tell us about this word, Islam? And let's take the easiest of all the verses or all the, uh, to, uh, from the Quran to refer to. Let's make our job easy. Don't, don't get complicated. Who will tell me where I should begin with that? It's a very easy phrase from the Quran. In the dina in the lahil Islam. This is in Surah Al-Imran. And this is something that's mentioned, by the way, even for those who attack Islam, they'll mention that verse. Well, thank you. You know, you just helped me. You reminded me where to start. The translation of this, or mistranslation of it, says the only religion with God is Islam. You might be saying, well, wait a minute. Why did you say that's a mistranslation? Well, because it doesn't give the proper meaning. In fact, it implies something that isn't true when you say that. Because the word deen in this case doesn't mean religion. It means your way of life, what you do from the time you wake up till the time you go to sleep at night. It's talking about your way from the time you're born to the time you die. What was your way? What did you do? That's your deen. In Adina in the Lahil Islam, the only way of life that you're going to go through here that's going to be acceptable to Islam, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is Islam. Now, even then, it needs to be broken down because most of the people will ex expect that you mean Islam as since Muhammad sallallahu Do you follow now where the problem is going to come in? They'll say, well, what about all the people before? Are you saying they all went to hell? Alhamdulillah. And of course not. Because for them, Islam is a, a religion starting in uh, the year 610 A.D. in the Arabian Peninsula. Because they have been accused of the same thing with their religion, which is Christianity, for a lot of them, which we know for a fact could have only started after Christ because obviously there couldn't be Christians before Christ, could there? So this is a question that they're dealing with themselves. What about the people before Christ? Because their teaching is that you're only saved through the blood of Christ. Well, what about the people before? So they're very familiar with this attack against them, so they're trying to pass that on to you. We don't have that problem. This is not our problem. That's their problem. Because we're not saying such a thing as that. But they're trying to say that that's something this verse means. We say it in the context of what Allah says in other places in the Quran. That the people before us were presented with the same opportunity, the same message, and then they made a choice to either accept or reject. And because they had that choice, they could do it or not do it. And whether you said Aslam, Istislam, Salam, Islam, all of these are Arabic words. And to the non-Arab, even some Muslims would not catch the value of what I'm telling you. You have to think 
what the meaning is in the verse. Because did it say, and we and we know the answer to this, but does it say that Allah is only going to accept people who are Arabs? No. Does it say that Allah here is only going to accept from people after the time of Muhammad, and we know better, you can read the Quran and see that. It's clearly talking about Islam in the context more so of a verb than a noun. So this is one of the things that I love to do. I love to talk about the meaning of the word. Because as soon as you do that, it puts people in a more neutral position. They're not so defensive. They're going to try to learn from what you're saying. And you put yourself in the position of teacher. Would you like to know the meaning of the word? Most people don't know the meaning of the word Islam. And for sure, hardly anybody that's not a Muslim knows the meaning of the word deen. And the majority of the Muslims today, when I ask them deen in English, they give the wrong meaning or they don't know. So that's a real good place to start with these two things, Islam and deen. Islam means, and start with that, and you can use any one of five things. Islam means surrender, submission, obedience, sincerity, or peace. The reason I don't like people to say Islam is peace, although it has peace right there, it's in there, Salam is in it, but I don't like us to use that because it sounds too much like a cop-out. It sounds like you're going back to the 60s with the flower children and the hippies and holding up two fingers and saying, Islam is peace, Islam is peace, we love everybody, oh, you know. And that's not the proper representation of what's Islam. Additionally, I'm going to slip this one in. It's not, uh, if you go online and look at this, uh, you won't find what I'm saying right now because we don't have that on there, but it's, it's valuable, I think, for us to at least touch on it right now, that Islam, what it's not, Islam is not tolerance. We have a lot of Muslims today saying Islam is tolerance, Islam is tolerance. This is because enemies of Islam have come to say, well, you're not tolerant, and right away, those people who are the fast to sell out, oh my God, I don't want to lose my job, I don't want to lose my position, I want to lose my real estate, I don't want to lose my property, I don't want to lose anything here. Uh, so yeah, Islam is tolerance. But do you know what you just said? I left a religion like that. It's so tolerant, Christianity is so tolerant, according to the priests that I worked with, they told me themselves. Priests, preachers that I've known personally have told me that Christianity is so tolerant and it's so adaptable to all times and all places and all people. Adaptable. So they're ready to make adjustments immediately. They can just change the religion to fit the situation. It's adaptable. And it tolerates. Is that what Islam means? Absolutely not. How could the word submit and obey at the same time mean tolerate? Huh? Especially if you mean that Islam as a noun, the way they're using it, 
means that Islam will tolerate me doing whatever I want to do. Tolerate you doing whatever you want to do means then there is no obedience. There is no sincerity. Huh? So you were just saying the opposite. And may Allah forgive all of us for these mistakes. So for sure we want to make clear what Islam means. It is surrender to whom? To God. If you're showing a verb like this, you're, you're indicating, it doesn't say Allah in, the, in Islam, it just says Islam. But it's obvious who you mean it to because it's a total surrender, total obedience, total submission. To who? And obviously to Allah. If you understand it and present it that way, obviously it, the verse be, makes sense. The only way of life Allah is going to accept from you is what He's ordained for you to do. He's not going to accept from you to make up your own religion. Is He? What kind of God is that? That He would tolerate that you'd come up with, you know what? I think God would like it if I would do swimming every day. I'll do 50 laps in the pool and God's going to just love me to death for that. Huh? Or you know what? I'll play 100 games on my Game Boy straight in a row without stopping for anything and I'll consider that an act of worship. Is God going to go for that? Why should He? For, and as a matter of fact, if it was me, I would say golf because I like to play golf. I haven't played since I've been Muslim, but... You know, if that's going to be an act of worship, man, I'll be the first one on the tee box. I'm ready to go. Look out, Tiger Woods, here I come. But you know and I know that's not going to be acceptable to God. Stop and think about it. Our Christian brothers, and I call them brothers because we're all brothers to each other in humanity. They don't believe what I believe, but still, I'm going to do like Prophet Salaam did and at least give them a chance to hear the word. At least consider them as a human being. Isn't that fair? Hmm? All I want to do is get a message over to them. I'm not superior to them. I'm not. But the dean that I follow is superior to their dean, without a doubt. But it's not because I'm so great, is it? No. And in fact, if they make Islam, they might be better than me tomorrow. In fact, the minute they enter into Islam, they are better than us. Because they got no sins. Zero. All they got is good deeds, right? Allah forgave everything and made them like a brand new baby. Wow. So definitely, I don't need to get up in his face and give him a hard time. I just want to deliver a message. So these are all important factors before I get ready to go out and present the message. Then how do I present it? If you click on the link that I put on the screen, guys, then I think uh, you'll see where we should go with that. The word itself, what does it mean? Is it a verb or a noun? And I'm saying to you it means both. It's a verb and it's a noun. As a verb, we already discussed surrender, and you notice by using the links here, they're hot links. If you click on surrender, it'll take you right to it. Surrender. This is understood from the verse in the Quran when Allah says, in the Dina in the Lahil Islam, the verse that I read to you, it's in chapter 3, uh, Surah Al Imran, verse 19. 
This submission requires a full and conscious and willing effort to submit to the one almighty God. I'm reading it to you right off the thing. Now you see where it says top? Just click top. It'll take you right back. The next word is submission. Click on that and you become an expert. You just read what it says. And Allah says, وَمَمْ يَبْتَغِي غَيْرُ الْإِسْلَامَ دِينَ فَلَا يُقْبَلَا مِنْهُ وَهُوَ فِي الْأَقِرَةِ مِنُ الْخَاسِرِينَ But know by your Lord, they, um, I read the wrong one first, whoever desires a deen other than Islam, Allah will never accept it from them and hereafter they'll be amongst the losers. You, those of you online looking at this right now, I've read them out of order. And this means that Allah is not going to accept any way of life from you except that you submit to him on the deen that he wants you to follow. Adam. Let's talk about Adam. Salam, Peace be upon Adam, the first man. Allah created him and created his spouse from him. They were in the paradise. The Bible says it. Quran says it. So let's don't argue about that subject. Let's don't break it down and try to guess how tall he was. That's not really a big point right here, is it? No. So the question isn't about how tall is Adam. The question is, what did Adam do? Well, he did anything he wanted to. Allah let him have anything he wanted. He was in paradise. He could eat what he wanted, drink what he wanted, go where he wants, do what he wants. He had everything. And then Allah said, don't eat the fruit from this tree. This is a commandment. The only commandment coming to Adam that I'm aware of. Now, if somebody knows something else, tell me. But as far as I know, all the time I was a Christian preacher, and ever since I've been a Muslim, the only commandment here for Adam was a don't. It was a don't. Don't eat the fruit. Did he eat the fruit? Of course he did. Why would there be any doubt in your mind that that's going to happen? In fact, if you want a child to do something, the best thing to do is tell them don't do it. I'm serious. If you want them to play with something in the room, take them in the room say, listen, I've got to leave, but whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go over there to the coffee table and pick up that new Game Boy over there. Don't do that. Okay? Now I'm going to promise you that everything else in your whole room became safe from that kid. He doesn't care anything about anything else in that room right now except what? The Game Boy sitting on the coffee table. If he doesn't touch it, I guarantee you when you come back, he's going to be standing right over staring at it. Am I right? Okay. Because you did what the same thing that Allah did in regard to this by saying don't do something causes people to be focused on that thing you said don't do. I wonder, just rhetorically thinking here, if you could tell somebody don't enter Islam and just enter your, end your problem. You know, just walk up here. Don't enter Islam. <laughs> because some parents did that, by the way. Some of the parents and relatives to people we were giving dawah to told them don't enter Islam. Next thing I knew, they came to Islam. <laughs> so it may be some psychology there <laughs> that we need to explore. I wanted to continue uh, talking about Adam uh, and his condition and comparing it to something else. He got a don't. Don't do this. That was it. But he did it. And his wife did it. Both of them did it. But in Islam, we know they... Asked Allah to forgive them, they repented, and Allah forgave them. This is a very, very important statement to say when you're presenting your case. 
because they don't have that in Judaism and they don't have that in Christianity. So they continue that somebody's got to pay for this. So according to them and in their book, the Jewish book, which the Christians follow, it says that this is an original sin which is then passed on generation upon generation upon generation until the very end. So everybody is born in sin, which is totally irresponsible and illogical. Because if you're born in sin, what's the hope? Suppose a baby would die. How do we love? We don't want a baby to die. But if a baby died, born in sin, he'd go to hell. How How could such a thing be? How could we talk like that? Isn't the famous expression, innocent as a newborn baby? Famous expression. Yesterday I was talking to some of the missionaries. You got some great missionaries here in town. They're, they're willing to convert anybody to what they got. Uh, they came over here trying to convert us yesterday. That was nice of them. It's nice to be loved, you know. Anyway, well, we're sitting there talking to them. I asked them about this original sin. They said, absolutely, they believe that. I said, you're born in sin? Yep, I'm born in sin. Yep. Is there any hope whatsoever? I said, no hope at all except Jesus' blood. That's it. So, I'm like, okay, what about a baby that dies? Is it in sin? They said, yeah. I said, well, what about innocent as a newborn baby? What does that mean? They said, that's just the same. Wow. Whoa. What do you tell a mother who loses her child? A little baby dies. Oh, ma'am, were you a born-again Christian? No. Darn. Sorry. Not only you lost your kid, but he went to hell too. Wow. I have heard this. Yeah. To tell people, well, you know, they didn't christen the baby. They didn't put the magic cross on it or something like that. So therefore, the baby has to go to hell. The baby's only a few days old or a week old or something like that. How are you going to tell them that? One woman, I guess, had lost a, a child. And we were talking about this subject. She loved Islam immediately when she heard this message. Ma'am, we already know without doubt your baby is in paradise. I don't care what your religion is. That's not my business. And, and Allah will ask you about your religion, but not that baby. That baby for Allah is innocent. Every child is born innocent and they stay in that condition until they're old enough to make their own decisions. But once they make their choices, then it's up to them. We have a lot of children with us today. And by the way, it's a blessing for us to have these guys with us. Because we know for sure these are the true Muslims. These children in this room with us today, not because they're wearing hijab, not because they're wearing a kufi, but because they are children, they are Muslims. And that's it. Now, if anybody wants to argue that, we've got it in our hadith of the Prophet ﷺ telling us that every child is born on the fitra of al-Islam, and that means they are already in submission, surrender, obedience, sincerity and peace with their Lord all children focus on this subject it's very important all children are innocent until they prove themselves guilty <laughs> innocent innocent no original sin in Islam 
this solves a huge problem because as long as they accept that biblical teaching from the Jews that they added in there, they're going to have that problem coming up over and over. How do you get forgiven? How do you get forgiven? They say the Jewish get forgiven, of course, because God just, in his mercy, chose them to be the ones to be forgiven. There are some people going to go to hell. That's already known to Allah. Some are going to paradise, and they just got chosen to go to paradise. So it doesn't matter what they do. They got the blood already of a Jew because they're coming from Abraham, and that whole entire tree there is going to be saved through Isaac, but never through Ishmael, according to them. Yes. And by the way, that's where Arabs come from, and you know that. But they may not know that. But it's strange, in, it, in their book it says right in it that from Ishmael will also come huge numbers like the sands of the ocean or stars in the sky and the same thing for Isaac. Both of them are going to have nations, both of them are going to be accepted by Allah, but somehow they, you know, we don't need to get into that, but just to let you know, that's what's happening. For them, blood, but it's their blood. For the Christian, how can he do that? He can't. You can't change blood. So they adopted the blood of the last prophet of Israel. The last prophet of Israel is Jesus. He is the last prophet of Israel. There's no argument. He's the Messiah, called Messiah in Arabic language. It's in the Quran. So for us, there's no problem. Jews don't accept that. They do not accept Jesus as the Messiah. They're waiting for their Messiah to come at the end and give them a physical victory over the earth. This is what they want. And we already know that, as the Christians know, that Jesus fulfilled the requirements to be the Messiah, or the Messiah. So he is chosen, and the last of the prophets for Israel. Muhammad Wasallam is the last of the prophets of all. And he comes through the bloodline of Ishmael, or Ismail as it is in Arabia. Right? So when we begin to introduce the subject, don't jump to that right away, but stay with the other subject of the innocence and the condition of the child. Because we can work up to this in a minute. You can also refer to their Bible. I don't recommend spending too much time studying the Bible and going to that, but if you happen to know it, it doesn't hurt. But never tell them your Bible says, your Bible says. This will only put them on the defensive they will come up with their Bible and stick it in your face and say, yes, but. You introduced the Bible. You said my Bible, so therefore I'm entitled to present this and this and so and so and so. And you know and I know that we don't accept the teachings of the Bible in the English language any more than we accept the teachings of the Quran in the English language. True? I won't. If you come to me with Yusuf Ali's translation of the Quran in English, I'm going to tell you, hey, if it doesn't match up with what we have from the Hadith of the Prophet Yusuf Ali is not a prophet. Forget about it. We accept the Quran in Arabia. Okay? So, introducing the Bible can backfire on you. But you can ask questions. Do you have anything in your Bible that says, let the children come unto me, that Jesus is saying, let the children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. It says it. It says it in old Elizabethan English. Suffer the children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Because they tried to keep the children back away from 
prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, according to the Bible. They tried to keep the children away. There were so many people around. Get those children away from him. Don't bother him. He's like the sheikh, you know. But he's saying, no, no, no. Let the children come to me. This is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I'm really glad that we have these children with us today. You can't believe it because this is an important aspect of our teaching. And it made me think about that. If you understood what Jesus is trying to teach here, if, in fact, he said those things, and you understood the hadith that I mentioned about the fitra of Islam, I wonder if you will consider now a very real example of what happened during the time of Muhammad wasallam. His own son, his own son died when he was just a baby, just really young, Ibrahim. And he lost all the sons that were born to him. And none of his sons lived. In fact, Allah mentions it in the Quran, Muhammad is not the father of any of your men. Is not. But he's the Khatam and Anbiya. He's the seal of the prophets. However, his daughter Fatima, radiallahu anha, she was married to one of his cousins by the name of Ali. From them came two of the most precious little grandsons that you can ever imagine. Hassan and Hussein. And it's recorded and narrated that at the time of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, see, I came back. I told you I was going to work Muhammad into this thing, and here I am. I'm back here. I, I, I love this. He's praying with his companions, and our salah or prayer is the one where you stand and bow and prostrate and everything like this. And while he's in the sajda or prostration, everybody's got their head on the ground. If you've seen Muslims pray like this, then. They didn't get up. For a long time, they were down, down, down. They got their head on the ground. They're going, what happened? Is something coming? Is revelation coming? Did, you know, what, what is this about? And somebody peeked and looked, just kind of look up and said, what's going on? And they see these two grandsons crawling all over Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu on his head, everything, while well, he's in this position. And then finally, when he gets up and finishes the Salah with them, he told them afterwards that only because he felt sorry for the people behind him that he's you know, making the children get off. Otherwise, he would have stayed like this for as long as they want to play. How much does it show you his compassion for children? How much love does he have for these children? And not just because they're his children. He loved all the children. He recognizes this innocence of the state of a human being when they come into being. Allah said in the Quran, and He created the mankind in the best form. And that's not just Adam in the best form in the beginning, but each and every one of us is created in the best form, in the best condition with Allah. But in then, then they reduce themselves to the lowest of low. By what? By sinning? Sinning is not what reduces you to the lowest of low. Sinning, and when I'm talking about sinning, I'm talking about eating the fruit. That's a sin. That would be a sin. Allah ordered, don't do that. But there's another kind of sin, and I want to come to this side of it. And that's Iblis. 
Another thing these people don't know about is Iblis. An important thing to mention here is about Iblis. Iblis, the devil, Lucifer, Diablo, he is not a fallen angel. This, for the born-agains, is a big subject. I spoke with them about that yesterday. And it's hard for them to imagine anything except the angel that went out of control. We don't accept that. Angels, a part of our belief is in the angels, true? We have to believe in Allah, and His angels, it's the second thing to believe in after believing in Allah. So it's important for us, at least after we tell them about La ilaha illallah, to mention that these angels always do what Allah wants them to do. That's what angel means. Does angel mean bad or good? When you say to a child, well, you're a little angel. What a little angel. What do you mean? You mean they're bad? No, you mean they're good. But when they're bad, you say, you little devil, right? Huh? And we have both. We have angels in Islam, and there are devils in Islam. But angels don't turn into devils. It's not like Anakin Skywalker turning into Darth Vader in Star Wars. That's not how it works. Allah creates angels and they always obey Allah. Always obeying Allah. But there's another creation that came before the human beings that had a choice. And this is what they don't know. They don't know anything about the jinn. It solves a huge problem, especially for the real preachers. And I'm not talking about the blind missionaries that are out here trying to sell their religion like a used car. I'm talking about the real preachers, ministers who are sincerely trying to learn and get close to God. I sat with him in Australia. One of them, before I left, I heard him calling for the Sharia of Islam to be established again. Yes. Dr. David Milliken, well known all over Australia for his 18 years of being the program director for religious affairs on ABC Radio sat with us and in his speech he said it so clear and I almost fell off my chair. I said, what's the catch to this? He said that what will save mankind is to re-establish the Sharia of Islam. And it surprised me he even said it better than I did, his pronunciation. I said, what is this? How can he have this idea? Because he's looking for truth. He's not trying to make up something on his own. He's looking for truth. But the one thing he didn't have, he thought he was okay with his religion, even though he believes in Islam. But the one thing he was missing is the correct understanding about the shayateen. He didn't know. He really thought it was an angel that went haywire. I said, no. And then I explained to him the jinn were before us. There were good jinn and bad jinn. And one of the jinn of them hated the bad ones. He did kill them. Allah sent angels with him to kill them. Elevated him with angels up high. Gave him a high status to be with these angels. And that was Iblis. But then Allah ordered all creation to bow down because of the best creation that Allah had made, which was Adam. And all creation bowed down. And Allah said it in the Quran. All creation bowed down. Illa Iblis except for Iblis. Who didn't bow down? 
Iblis. Right? Now watch. This is what I want to make the comparison of. And I can't make the comparison for them until I show them about the jinn. Adam was ordered not to do something, but the first order that made the big difference was to do something. And it came to Iblis. The first commandment coming is bow down. Bow down to Allah because of this great creation that He has made, Adam. Now, and it means to bow down to Adam, but because Allah has ordered you to do so. Like we bow down to the ground, but we don't worship the ground. We bow toward the Qibla, but we don't worship the Kaaba. And this was the meaning of bow down to Adam. Bow down because Allah ordered you to bow down. He said, I'm not going to do it. I'm better than he is. You made him from mud. You made him from this, this earth, despicable fluid here. Me, I'm better than him. I'm made from a smokeless fire. Angels are made from light. Okay? You can't see light until it reflects off of something. Light travels undetected through the universe. That's why it's black. But as soon as it hits something, you see it. True? That's why you don't see angels. Of course, it's because Allah doesn't want you to see them, but I'm just giving you a physical understanding. Smokeless fire. A fire without any smoke at all is also undetectable except for the heat. True? And it's known in Islam that when we get angry, it's from shaitan. True? And the Prophet ﷺ said, the devil runs through your veins like your blood. So when you get angry, if you're standing, sit down. And he said, see, I'm back on the Hadith again. <laughs> and he said that if you get angry, you, get, you, know, you feel hot. You make wudu, wash yourself with cold water. And what will happen? You cool down. Why when we get angry do you always say, I'm hot? I'm really hot, man. Don't talk to me right now. I'm hot, man. I'm hot. Why are you hot? Do you feel the heat? Because when you get angry, you feel the heat coming over you. It feels like, man, I'm, whoo, I'm on fire. And this is shaitan going through you like your blood. And as we know, he's made from a fire, smokeless fire. And he's saying, I'm better than him. You made me from a smokeless fire. I am not going to bow down to him. And then it's what? Then you're going to go to hell. He said, you know what? Let me take him and his offspring with me then. Now stop and think of what is being said here. Have you ever really reflected on the meaning of this? This is really scary. Somebody knows they're going to go to hell. Why don't they just say, I'm sorry, I changed my mind, I'll bow down, okay? <laughs> don't throw me in there. Instead, he makes a dua to Allah, a prayer, a supplication to Allah. Let me take him and his offspring with me. That's scary. You're going to hell and you want to just take people... What in the... You know, that's amazing. How could he come up with this? And Allah said, okay, go ahead. All of them except those who come to the right belief and do the deeds of righteousness. So Allah is answering his dua immediately. Yes. Some people might ask, well, wait a minute. The devil did something bad? Yet Allah is answering his prayers? Yes. He did something bad. He disobeyed Allah. 
But then he supplicated to Allah and Allah accepted it. What would have happened if he would have just said, forgive me? Wow. And the answer also comes in Islam. We know in Islam that Jesus, alayhi salam, asked Allah, could the devil, Iblis, repent? And if he did, would you accept it? Allah said yes. Yeah, he could and I would, but he won't. I gave you a Texas translation. He, he basically said yes, but he won't. If Iblis could repent and be forgiven, hello, any of us could be forgiven. I'm bad, I know that, but I'm not as bad as that. Nobody's as bad as the devil, are they? Therefore, it means there's hope for every single person. And forget about the original sin. Any sin can be forgiven. It just needs sincere repentance. And that's the difference between getting into paradise and not getting there. It's not about blood. It's about attitude. Are you really sorry? Okay. Are you going to do it anymore? No. Are you repentant for what you did? Yes. Will you now obey? Absolutely. It was Moses, alayhi salam, who also asked a similar question about Iblis. He asked Allah, what about Iblis, the devil? How could he be forgiven? Could, could it happen? Allah said yes, but he'd have to go to the grave of Adam and make the prostration which he refused to do in the first place. And what does the devil say to that? Well, if I wouldn't do it while he was alive, I'm sure not going to do it while he's dead. Pride is one of the worst things a person can find in themselves. Pride. And that is really why a lot of people don't get guided to Islam. They understand it. The chemical balance in the head makes it very, very easy for them to understand, but at the same time, they won't submit because of pride and the pride overrules everything else common sense out the door logic out the door reason out the door all of those things evaporate in the face of this pride and what does it say in the English saying pride goeth before the fall and it's such a fall that it is and may Allah save us from this pride and may Allah save us from this this arrogance, and Allah save us from this bad attitude and replace it with an attitude of gratitude. Because when we are grateful to Allah and we turn to Allah and seeking repentance and seeking forgiveness and praising Him and thanking Him for what we have, then we have achieved the deen that was mentioned in the first place. The deen of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. The way of submitting to God as we mentioned in the first place. And this presentation I'm giving to you is in addition to what you'll find online because what I'm saying online is not what you're going to find uh, on our site. It's got other stuff related to what I just said. So take what I've just shared with you and what we have online, the basics there of the verb and the noun. The noun, of course, we break it down as the five pillars of Islam and the six beliefs. Briefly, I just touch on those with you. When we present the pillars, the shahada, the shahada is declaring what you believe. Do you believe there's a God and He's one? Yeah, we'll say it. I swear that there's only one God to worship. 
Say it. It's not three. Say it. Okay. And you bear witness that Muhammad is a messenger. Not a God. Not a son of a God. He's a messenger because he brought the same message that they all brought. Okay, say it. We don't need to go any further. Say it. Once they say that, now let's talk about the next thing. The Salat. As a Muslim, if you want to be a Muslim, you said the Shahada, but now if you want to really get into it, Salat. Which is to stand and bow and make sajda or prostration five times a day. You agree with that? Because that's essential. You have to do it. Next, fast Ramadan. Staying away from food and drink during the daylight hours. Next, zakat. Paying a small, tiny percentage of wealth, not income. Income is not wealth in Islam. Once a year, make an assessment of your wealth. Whatever is in excess of so much, a small percentage, you give it to the poor, that's it. It's not something where you pass it up line to the bishop, to the pope, and things like that. Just goes to the poor. Next is the hajj or the pilgrimage to the bait of Allah in Mecca. Once in the life, when Allah makes a way for you to go, you go. That's it. If you do that, you're a Muslim. If you keep that, operate on that, you'll go to paradise. Providing you have the belief system, and there are six. Six beliefs. Believe in Allah. We already mentioned that. To believe in His angels as what they really are, not devils. To believe in His books, all of His books that have been sent down before in the original form. We're not going to argue about the Bible you got today in English because we're not going to argue about the Quran in English either. If you've got the original, bring it, and you don't. So, that's it. The prophets, we believe in all of them, and this is the way we explain the prophets. We raise all the prophets up higher than we are. We don't degrade the prophets, put them down, and attribute to them things which are really low or debased. We don't accuse them of having sex with their own daughters, which they have in the Bible. We don't accuse them of having this with their mothers, which they have in the Bible. We don't have that they're running around naked and drunk, which they have in the Bible. We don't have any of that in Islam because we raise them up really, really, really high. Much higher than us, but they're still human. And then Jesus, peace be upon him, is a miracle birth. We put him up real, real high too, but we just don't put him up there with God. We bring him down to the level with these high prophets. And I use my hand, just like I've got it up here, really high to show them. Show them. These are high. And Jesus is higher than us, no doubt. But he's still a human being and he's not a son of a God and he's not a God. He's a servant of God. He's one who obeys God, prays to God and asks from God and told us to do the same thing. To do God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Now that's a phrase from their prayer, their Lord's prayer. Doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven explains in the Dina in the Lahil Islam. Doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And then to believe in the Akhir, which is the next life, the heaven, the hell, the day of judgment, the resurrection, all of that is a part of believing in the Yom Al-Akhir. And then to believe in the Qadr of Allah, that all of this is in the plan of Allah. This is all Allah's plan. And what's going to happen is going to happen. And to answer that one, when people try to get into that, a lot of Muslims are getting hung up on the Qadr of Allah today. And uh, even some of our good du'a, uh, the, the callers to Islam are getting confused in that one. And um, some in Canada have got hung up on that one.
But the answer is really simple. Yes, absolutely. Allah knows everything is going to happen. It's all His plan. And you can't change His plan. If you say, well, how is it going to be fair then that I'm going to be punished for something Allah wrote for me to do? Absolutely. Allah is not asking you about the outcome. He's asking you about the niyyah. What did you want to happen? If you intended to do something evil and you did it, then that's a sin. Yes? But if it happened, but it wasn't something you wanted, it just happened, then it's not a sin, is it? And especially if you did it and you felt bad about it afterwards, you expect from Allah forgiveness and you ask forgiveness and you hope for His mercy, then you are doing the right thing and you will be forgiven. So that's how it works. And we've presented pretty much our whole case for Islam as a verb, Islam as a noun, Islam as a way of life. What is the meaning of the various aspects of Allah, His angels, His books, His prophets, the next life, and of course the cutter of Allah. You covered everything now. And depending on how much time you have with somebody, you want to be careful to gauge what you're saying according to the time you have. And I took more time today than I wanted to. And I usually do, but I hope, inshallah, Allah will accept it from us. Finally, another point that I will make is that when you're presenting all of this, remember, you're just a delivery boy. You are not a god or a son of a god or even a prophet. You are simply a messenger, carrying a message. You're taking, you're taking a message to the people, and that's your only job. If they reject the message, it's not your concern. Better people than you have carried this message and had it rejected. So don't worry about it. But do this. And the people of Dawah have shown me something that's amazing. It's from the same root. You do Dawah in the day and Dua in the night. It's like a farmer planting his seeds and then going back and watering it. So in the day you plant the seeds of the message and tell them step by step. There's people you work with and you see them every day, relatives and so on. Just tell them a little bit at a time and give it the right order. And then in the night get up, make wudu, stand and pray to Allah and then water those seeds with your tears. And ask Allah, Oh Allah, forgive me and guide them. I know I didn't deliver the message the way I should have. Allah, forgive me and guide them. The Hidayah guidance is only from Allah. And whomever He guides, nobody will misguide them. But whoever He lets go astray, they'll never find a guide. And having said that, we'll close our program this morning with that dua. Adina suratu mustaqim. Amin. Allah guide us to the straight path don't let our feet falter keep us away from the way of those who have your anger and those who've gone astray Amen. you've been listening to Islam always and we're always broadcasting 24 hours a day right here at islamalways.com for more like this visit our other internet website at Islam yesterday check on the audio or video links there and enjoy if you'd like to download the programs, that's easy to do too. And come back here on a regular basis for our live and almost live programs here at IslamAlways.com. Until then, Salam Alaikum Rahmatullahi Barakatuh.